You know, when I put it up there for the first time, I love my city. I could see in the eyes of, of everyone as they're looking at it, just many different emotions kind of going through people's faces. You know, I, I see those who say, you know what, love my city. I'm not sure I even like my city. And I get that. And also, when we start talking about T-shirts and hoodies and things like that, that sometimes, you know, people can act a little disappointed about that. But you know what? The truth is, folks, we live in an age where, it, you know, simplicity sometimes wins the day. You know, to be able to communicate what it is on our heart and doing that in an efficient, you know, practical way. You know, people communicate in so many different ways, and that's one way we can do that. And, uh, and of course, we all know that just wearing the T-shirt's not going to change anybody's heart and certainly not going to change anybody's mind. But it's all about sowing seed, isn't it? Sowing seed, sowing seed of love, and then, of course, mixing this together with all that God has for us and, and how we can be a part of that. So we've learned about how we can be salt and light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he turned right around and said, you are the light of the world. And how on earth do we make that happen? Well, we've been learning about that. Last week, we talked about the three foundational attitudes, attributes, if you will, of the heart that the Holy Spirit sows into our life when, it, when we position ourselves to ask him to use us in that way. For, for us to step up and say, I want to be the light you're talking about, Jesus, then what he's going to do by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5, he's going to sow the love of God in our hearts. He's going to help us love our city. He's going to help us love the unlovable. He is going to help us position ourselves to be that light. And that's how he does it. So we talked about the three things that remain last week, faith, hope, Love. Faith, of course, being the very crucial language of the Spirit. If we're going to do anything that's worthy, anything that's going to have eternal uh, uh, impact, it's got to be through faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And then hope. Faith for today and all that God has for us to carry out that, but hope for tomorrow. Hope is something that, again, is given to us by God. And so, uh, if we're going to experience any kind of change in our community, any kind of change in our families, any kind of change in our marriage, our finances, whatever it is, it's going to come through the hope that God places inside us as that is fleshed out with his, his plan. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. And then, of course, love. Love for all the time. The agape kind of love. If we really want to transform anything, it's always going to come through the love of God. It's always going to come from that pure agape love. That's the only thing that changes the heart. What Jesus did... He gave his life, that true form of, of love, that, of, of the gift that God gave. So today we're going to talk about what are we hoping for? And so I want to begin with that. What are we hoping for? Kind of just get us started. Of course, you can fill out. I'm going to throw a few things out there. But just, how about the reduction in poverty in our region? Growing opportunities for clean, efficient businesses and jobs? Stronger families so that our children can experience healthy nurture? Strong, stronger, peaceful schools, violence-free communities, caring neighborhoods, courteous citizens who care about the cleanliness of our streets, the peacefulness of our homes, schools and neighborhoods. How about even bigger? How about a diseaseless community? No cancer, no neurological diseases, no disease of any kind. Seem like far-fetched? You know, that's what, that's what, that's what hope is all about. It's, it's reaching beyond. We're going to talk more about that. How about a drug-free community? The complete removal of exploitive, corrupt activity. How about that? Is that something we can hope for? Absolutely. And that is where we're going to talk about today, is that hope has to have a target. 
Is it too much to hope for some of these things? Absolutely not. And I'm going to begin today by sharing a vision or, or a prophetic uh, illustration from the uh, book of uh, uh, 2 Kings, chapters 13, chapter 13, 14 through 19, and an example that I feel like God has a message for us through it. And it goes like this. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Joahash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried. The chariots and horsemen of Israel, Elisha said, as he kind of shouted out. He could see the chariots and horsemen of Israel. He said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window, he said. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. And the Lord's arrow of victory, he said, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. So this prophetic example, you know, so Jehoahash, he doesn't even realize, but this actually completed the exact double amount of miracles that Elisha did uh, compared to Elijah. Remember, Elisha asked for a double portion, and there it was. Even in his last, uh, uh, you know, last on his deathbed, he completes one more miraculous sign. And so Joash, you know, is sitting there. And then, then he says, then he said, uh, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, now strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. The man of God, Elisha, was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. So we look at this story. And what is the lesson? When God moves, when God is speaking, when victory is in store, it's not the time for us to be hesitant. It's not the time for us to second guess what God is doing. And of course, we can apply this to so many things about our spiritual walk. But what we see here is that nothing happens without faith and initiative from the believer. So here, Jehoahash is in this situation. Elisha is, 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 is jumping up. So he's visiting who he knows to be this prophet who's very, very well known, doing amazing miracles, affecting Israel in just incredible ways. And so he's going there to mourn, and he knows he's on his deathbed, and then he rouses himself to do one more miracle. And, and Jehoahash, you know, of course, he's scrambling to say, okay, the, the guy's doing something amazing. So he says, shoot the arrow. You're going to defeat the Aramans, which, as we know, historically was a real thorn in his flesh. So this was a wonderful thing to be hearing. And then he says, now strike the ground. And he strikes it only three times. And so Elisha's mad. And of course, you, it kind of illustrates what is kind of an interesting concept when we talk about God doing miracles in our life. And that is this, that God says, do it. And he says, I am going to bring victory to your life. I am going to make this happen. But there, I am reserving a certain aspect of this whole event that is up to you. And so he's telling Jehoahash in a prophetic illustration, look, dude, don't just hit the ground three times. Don't just give what you think needs to happen. Don't limit yourself to just what you know you, that it's going to take. As a matter of fact, what he said is, man, you should have just kept hitting until I said, hey, 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 that's enough. When the pool is being stirred, when God is on the move, when God has made a promise, then we need to jump on it. That's the lesson we learn. So when we think about asking God for some things. We live really in the age of grace, people. We live in a time where the final words of Jesus were, look, you have not. 
because you ask not. And that hasn't changed. In other words, we're almost like Jehoahash sitting here, and Jesus is saying, strike the ground. And so many of us can be like Jehoash, who are only striking it three times. We feel like, well, three's a good number. Three, I won't get worn out beyond three. I don't know, fill it in. But Jesus is saying, look, nothing is impossible for those who believe. You live in the era because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what he has called us to do, what he has poured into our life in the, in, in, in the whole package of faith in Christ and what it's supposed to be. Now, you know, you may be one who says, well, I don't even want to strike the ground at all. Okay, amen. I mean, you know, I, I, I get that. Nobody's here to shame anyone. Nobody, no, nobody's here to embarrass you. You know, nobody's here to do any of that. But for those who hearts, whose heart are hungry, for those who are saying, yeah, I need a miracle, for those who say, yes, I would really like to join in up to, to be a part of changing our community for Christ. If that's you, you may then go to the next question. Well, what's in it for me, Pastor David? Because, you know, I see what you're saying. Is this just not a kind of manipulative thing from a pastor to try to just get me doing stuff? No, no, no. We started this whole series with Jeremiah 29. And what is that? That if you bless your city, if you pour into your city, if you want to see your city or your community or wherever God has placed you prosper and you sow in faith, hope, and love, then guess what? Not only is it going to get blessed, but you will be blessed. If we're praying for there to be no crime, if we're praying for there to be blessing, does that not affect you? Does that not affect your neighborhood? I mean, how many times do you hear people, yeah, I heard gunshots last night. Or how many times we hear of somebody dying from a drug overdose? Or how many times we read on Facebook that somebody has a debilitating disease that the doctor says there's nothing more we can do? We just said, do we strike the ground even at all? Even at all? So we're in a situation here where then Jesus' Jesus' words come back to us. You have not because you ask not. And so I guess... Instead of making any more of of a point of that, let's just move on to say, okay, well, what are we asking for? We've talked about faith being a required language of the spirit, and and, and most certainly what we're talking about is supernatural activity. I already told you before, when it comes to loving a city or seeing, you know, my pastor told me many, many years ago, he said, David, when when God begins to move, all boats float. When God begins to pour into a community, everyone gets blessed. And and that's very, very true. I've seen it. I've seen communities get changed. I've traveled around the world to see and witness revival firsthand. So I know what God can do, but it can be a lot of time, and what I talked about, I believe it was last week, that what are we going to be? Are we going to be Nazareth, who says, well, nothing good ever comes from Nazareth and no no miraculous signs or wonders ever happened there? Or are we going to be Gennesaret that is hungry? that is waiting, that is not, not letting anything hold us back, but that we, we rush to Jesus. And we all have, we have to do is touch the hem of his garment, and God does amazing things in our midst. And of course, that's an individual choice, isn't it? It is. Folks, it is a very, very powerful step for any individual to reach beyond what they can see for a friend, for your family, and for a city to step and start your prayers change, or even to pray at all. To begin to just say, God, I am asking you 
to pour out your spirit, uh, your spirit on this city, to pour out your power, to see it go into the, to, just like a river flows through our city. Let your, your, your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your healing, your transforming power come flowing through my city. I know there are intercessors in our community and of all denominations. I know there are people who are crying out for God to do this. I absolutely know it. But what happens when we all do? What happens when a larger percentage do? And we're striking the ground, and we will not stop until we see God move. Now, you can look at me and shake your head, or maybe it's going to take more. I just had a brother come to me, and he said, you know, Pastor David, I'm getting it. I'm starting to get this. It's starting to get into my heart, and I'm starting to see differently. And, of course, that makes me excited. But I know that's not, not something that I have done. It's by the Spirit of God. It's what God does inside us. But see, I mean, to me, I'm trying to make my case. For me, I'm up here just saying, look, you want to get blessed? Okay, you, 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 it's all about you? Fine, let's talk all about you. To bless your city means you're going to get blessed. So, amen. But shouldn't we go beyond that? Shouldn't we go beyond just what's in it for me? to just say, you know what? If I never get a good thing ever again, I know it's worth it to see that person get blessed. Isn't that what really agape love is about? Well, it's a goal. It's what we're shooting for. And is it the love of God that sheds it abroad in our heart to get us thinking beyond us? That's really the goal. That, that is when we really start to see the spiritual maturity starting to bite in to really change us to where we're not thinking so much about us anymore, that we are thinking more about others. And what's cool, what is amazing, is it's biblical. Matthew chapter 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. That's what Jesus said. Because all the, the disciples are coming up, and, and he knows their hearts. He can read their hearts before as they're thinking it. I mean, just read the Gospels. Go ahead and read them again. And what you'll see is Jesus is constantly telling them, you guys always think about yourself. But he didn't just say, never think about yourself. He said, this is a better strategy. Think about others first, then I'll bless your socks off. Well, that works. It works for me. I like it because it's biblical. Plus, it's foundational. Speaking of that, let's look at what is going to be the foundation. What is necessary for this foundation of, of really building inside our lives what necessitates real change and what will begin to see something happen in our community, starting with us. Well, I want to start with the difference between vision, fantasy, and dreams. I want to explain this to you because this is important. Because as you venture out into something beyond yourself, it's perhaps you've, you've already seen this, experienced it, and some of this will be some aha moment for you. But, 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 but for the most part, as you continue to reach for more in God, this is important for you to know. So there really is, when it comes to what goes on inside us internally about the future, there's fantasy, dreams, and vision. Fantasy is very selfish. Fantasy is all about me. It's visualizing, it's using the, in, in, the inner sense to the, the, be able, be, the ability to see beyond myself, but with fantasy, it's only really about myself, you see? And then it can be as, as much as just ridiculous kind of, you know, you know, air guitar in front of, you know, a million people or 
whatever. But it's, it's very selfish. And fantasy, for the most part, really comes to nothing. That's what Proverbs tells us. And so even if we try to even put a foot to fantasy, it doesn't really go very far because it proves itself out. It's, it's, it's just kind of silly. It might even be the thing of, of, of children and those who are out of touch with reality. But then there are dreams. And these are the, this is the one that's a little more confusing. Dreams are those things that are good, but they're not God, not necessarily God. Because we're gonna get into vision now here in a second. But dreams are those things that, 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 that do come from within us and they make sense. They're things that we could do. They're things that, again, we could do, but it's not necessarily what we should do. There are good things. And there are a lot of good things that happen in the world. But what we find is it's not necessarily built on a solid foundation. And what is the foundation? Well, it's God, of course. And that's where we're going to jump into vision. See, vision is something that God gives us. And it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a God thing that you can't get rid of. It's something that you can't, you can't put out of your mind. It, 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 it just torments you a little bit. Not tormenting, but what I'm saying is it just God won't let you go. It gets inside you and it's like, I know this is supposed to happen. This is a God thing. It's not a, just a good thing, but it's a God thing. Because it's going to be good too. But here's the interesting thing about vision. Is that it's not easy. As a matter of fact, vision tends to dwell in the realm of the impossible. <laughs> or in the very, very difficult, at least. And it's because that's where God lives. And God just says, look, I am pushing you. And, 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 and of course, we know that ultimately what that means is that we have to have him to be a part of it so that, he, you know, that the glory belongs to God. But it all is God. And so us establishing, going for vision, and I, I see that no, so many Christians only get to the dream stage. They rarely ever get to the visionary stage. And a lot of times we have to kind of be pushed and goaded to that realm. Sometimes we have to, over a period of time, see the failure of fantasy and dreams over and over and over again until we finally just say, God, I give up. And God says, I've been waiting the whole time to give you what I want you to do. And when you settle into that, all kinds of real cool things happen. You start to see supernatural activity. Miracles start to surround that thing. How did God do it? I have no clue. <laughs> How did you do it? Certainly wasn't me. How, do, how did you achieve that? Whew. Man, God did it. You know, and I can share so many testimonies of this personally. I just don't have time. I mean, one that just pops into my mind every time is, of course, my children. Andrew and I not being able to have children for six years, but we wanted them so badly. But then when God just said, okay, David, and we were doing certain things, and God just said, David, if you do it man's way, you'll get what man gets. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> don't want that. And so I finally settled in, told Andrew, honey, we're going to do this God's way or we don't do it at all. And when we did, boom, here they come. To the point where it's just like, okay, well, you can slow this whole thing down now. <laughs> Not really. You know, I just got old. That's what happened. God started just so late. I'm just like, honey, <laughs> man, woo, let's, let's just slow this thing down. No, I'm kidding. How did God do it? God did it. How did it happen? It was in the heart. It was a vision. But only God could do it. And you take that 
whole idea and apply it to almost anything that we do for God. And I'm talking from your individual life to, to achieving whatever God wants you to do. So seeking first the kingdom of God seems so like, well, does God even care about me? He does. He actually said there in that same verse, then everything else will be added to you as well. See, what we got is a priority problem when it comes to understanding the difference between dreams. I can listen to people's dreams all day long, but what really, and what I, I can be, you know, everybody look at me and tell me to go away when I ask this very question. Regarding your dreams, what does God think? Um, well, I never really bothered to ask him. Well, you might want to do that. You're a Christian, right? You belong to him, right? You, you I mean... You gave your life to Jesus Christ. He's Lord and Savior, right? I mean, he's every bit, I mean, don't you think you should ask him? And I'll explain why this is important here in just a moment, because this is not just a clash of wills. So much, it's much deeper than that, much deeper than that. And I'll just give you a sneak peek. It's actually working with the energy that's already working with you, within you. When you cooperate with what already is happening, it's a whole lot easier but when you're working against something that's working inside you, then man, life becomes a whole lot harder, doesn't it? Real hard, in fact. So, a God idea, a good idea. And again, sometimes we may not know the difference until God makes it very clear. Not all dreams work to our good. In the end, unfortunately, we often experience this firsthand. So, the foundation of things often determines their longevity. A lot of great ideas that don't pan out because perhaps, and I'm not saying in every case, but I'm just going to throw it in here. Perhaps it's because the foundation is not right. So Jesus actually spoke to this. He said, look, build what you're, what, whatever you're going to do in your life, build it upon the rock and not on the sand. You know, it's interesting that he would use such a, uh, you know, uh, a blue collar or, you know, everyday man kind of an illustration so that we would get this. So that we would look at something, he said, now look, if you're going to build, you need to build on the rock, not in the sand. Well, and, and of course, any one of us would know that that's, that's true. But what he's saying is, look, now apply that to your life. How much of your life, all of your energy, all of your building materials of, of, of energy, resources, your money, your time, your life, are you building on the sand so that only one difficult time comes, a storm, a difficulty, a whatever comes, it'll just wash it all away. Now, we can see that. We get that. We, <clears throat> we can emotionally get our, you know, our, our, our emotional arms around it. Absolutely. And so Jesus is saying, look, stick with the analogy. He says, if you build your life, your time, your energy, your focus, your future upon the rock. And what's a rock? God himself. Christ is our rock. But, you know, without just staying in the religious zone, what does it really mean? It means building your life on the principles of scripture, the things that Jesus taught. And really, again, going right back to seek first the kingdom of God, making God's kingdom a part of your life. I hope you're getting this, folks, because this will change your life forever. Amen. It really will. Seeking God's, for putting Jesus and, and his purpose for you First and foremost in your life, he says, look, then your rope is going to be lined up, baby. You're, you're going to be building, building on a foundation that, man, I tell you what, you can not only build a lot upon it, things will come against it, and it will not move. Will not move. Cannot be shaken. I mean, I know we can come up with a lot of stories to show, well, yeah. And I think sometimes we trivialize 
these things. We, we push them into the realm of, well, you know, we gotta learn. Well, really? I don't think I wanna learn the hard way. I think I'd rather earn or learn the better way, the easier way, especially if I've got an opportunity. I mean, if I didn't know, a lot of the things that I failed and struggled with before I knew Christ, well, man, that's just my story. But afterward, the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the more I learned about scripture, the more I learned the truth and dug in and got a little deeper. Now I'm not just saying I'm held accountable to it. Now I'm, I have a wonderful opportunity to build my life upon the rock. I think we should. So when we talk about God's ways, it means we're going to get pushed into the realm of vision. And that means that we're living our lives according to God's will and plan for my life. That means I'm going to ask him on a regular basis. That means there might be some things that I have to surrender that, that might be in the fantasy realm, which might be a whole lot easier, but a lot of them might be in the dream realm where it's just like, it's something you can do, but is it what you should do? Is it a part of God's plan? And see, I'll tell you what, I think a lot of Christians, we write books, we argue about this back and forth, preference, conviction, preference, conviction. Yeah, what does the Bible say? I mean, just what does the Bible say? And what is the Holy Spirit telling you in comparison to what the Bible says? That's key. In Matthew chapter 14, Peter learns a lesson about faith and what we're going to learn about faith and what we are learning about faith. In Matthew 14, 29 through 33, let me read it. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come out to you on the water. Disciples have pushed out from the, uh, they've done with the day of ministry. And in the night, they go across this lake. And in the, in the middle of the lake, they hit a squall, terrible squall. I just saw one, one of those up, up in northern Michigan. Terrible, frightening things. And there they are in a little boat out in the middle of it, probably water coming over the sides. And then they see Jesus walking on the water. Okay, people, now, huh, now look, they've seen all kinds of wonderful things take place up to this point, but Jesus is walking on the water. This is pretty incredible. First, you think he's a ghost. But then Peter, who is today's object lesson, is, is in a situation where he thinks he recognizes him, and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go out. On the, on, I'm, going over the, I'm going out. I'm going to walk on the water like him. He's got a little bit of faith, and he starts to kind of test it. He says, Lord, if it's you... He says, tell me to come out on the water. And he says, come, Jesus said. So Jesus is saying, look, come on out. Come out where I am, <laughs> where I dwell in the supernatural. He could have just said, no, 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 Peter, don't do that. Don't be a fool. That's, that's fantastic. That's, that's fantasy. Don't do it. But Jesus said, come on. Then Peter got out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. He's walking on the daggone water. There is no, I mean, we can't, we can't explain that away scholarly. This is a testimony. All the other guys are in the boat saying, yeah, we saw it. Peter was walking on the water. It's pretty awesome. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? You know, you got you to you look at Jesus at those moments. Instead of, I mean, we would be like a mercy-motivated person. We'd be like, oh, Peter, you're so awesome for even trying. But not Jesus. He's like, dude, 
Why is he doubt? We could have won for a stroll all across the lake tonight. We could have had a blast. But because you doubted, you let fear creep in. You let this all happen. See, this is one of those situations where we just look at it, and, and you've got to just cut it down to its simplicity, and that really Jesus is saying here, guys, if you only understood the way the kingdom of God works, if you only understood that you, you dwell too much in the realm of fear, you dwell too much in the realm of intimidation, you dwell too much in human thinking, and they have a very difficult time getting outside of the realm of that which is, is human, mundane, and earthly. So, and he climbed in the boat, and when it goes on, the rest of the guys were saying, worshiping and saying, truly they are the son of God. And Jesus is just kind of chuckling to himself. You guys haven't seen anything yet? So when we talk about faith here, we're talking about, like in Peter's example here, is that, folks, a lot of what, what we, we miss out on is because we are afraid. We talked about that already. We, we, we are intimidated. We are we're not used to living in that, but that's the most amazing thing is the men and women that I have known over the many, many years I've been walking with God who have done incredibly supernatural things, it becomes so, it's so second nature to them. It's like drinking water. It's because the more you do it, the more you walk in it, the more it becomes just like, you know what? This is, this is something that God wants to do. It's just, and, and not in every case, not every situation. We'll, I mean, there are going to be those times when Jesus might say, no, Peter, stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. But there are going to be those times when God says, no, it's time. It's time for you to get out of the boat. It's time for you to start walking in faith. It's time for you to start getting out of the mundaneness of your life. It's time for you to stop dreaming and start walking in real vision for your life. It's time for you to start living in a realm that is waiting for you, waiting for us. So folks, when I think of this in vision, this is what I have learned. I'm just sharing from my own life because, you know, gosh, we could do anything. But what you really have to do is you gotta, you gotta break this down to what is it that I am called to do individually, what you are called to do. You can't take somebody else's vision. You can't do that. It's wearing somebody else's armor, and it's not going to fit. So, but you got to find out. It comes right back to saying, okay, what is vision? Vision is something that is a God dream. It's a God uh, purpose for you. And so you got to start really writing it down. And so you can't go, and this is what my pastor used to also say, you can't go where you don't see. You can't go in the direction. And so a lot of times, if we're thinking about a marriage, if we want a wonderful marriage after 25, 30, 40 years, then we really need to kind of see it. And so many other things. You find people that are successful in business and so many other things, they say the same thing from a different perspective. But that is, it's gotta be in here. It's gotta be in here, but it's gotta be in here too. And God puts it inside you so that then you start to go to, okay, God, how? So I'm not saying that the how it gets done is not a, 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 a spiritual thing. It absolutely is a spiritual thing. And that's the next thing we need to do. Okay, Lord, how are you going to do this in my life? That's when you need to get out the pen and paper. Start writing it down. What is God showing you? So I, I'm going to just share them right out of the notes. Determine your peace, your your. I-E-C-E, your peace. In other words, your purpose, your place, your position. 
It does not have to be complicated or large scale. In other words, you don't have to be a very influential, rich, or famous person in order for you to discover what that is. As a matter of fact, I have found, and I've got a lot of thought on this, that God absolutely loves using the nobodies of the world to do the amazing things. Feel like a nobody? Well, man, you are qualified, my friend. Very qualified. Well, in in the opposite of that, if you feel like you're a somebody and feel like you can do it all for God, well, then there's a real problem there. But determine your purpose, your place, your position, and then be specific. Begin to write it out. Again, you can't go where you don't see. Have a vision for your life, your family, your service of how you're going to live your life, and again, our city. What do we want? Hope has to have a target. Hope is going to grow through vision. And God tells us in his word that hope will never disappoint us if it is truly God hope. So you need to start writing it down. I'm talking to you as individuals, but of course I'm talking about our church as a whole, of what we feel like. I'm I'm just telling you about my own journey and I'm asking you to come along, both individually, but also corporately. We've got something that God has placed on our heart to do, and that is to to create a vision, to have something that we have to really kind of think through. Okay, God, what is it you want us to do? And I have spent many years refining that to the point where if you come through our our membership class, you're going to hear Pastor Jamie or Bruce or whoever's teaching that say, look, we, we focus on three things, three things. And that is celebration of what God is doing in our midst on on Sunday services to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's teaching, that's through small groups. And then, of course, reaching our world for Christ with every way. If, if, If anything that God has called us to do fits into those three things, then what we've been able to do is keep it on the track of what God has called us to do. See, that's the problem sometimes, is we get so excited. When we we talk about vision, what happens is dreams begin to creep back in again. And what I'm saying is, is that what we have to be careful, by writing it down, we then can refine what is it that what we're doing continues to fit. It's not incongruent with what God has called me to do. This is a very practical thing, so hang in there. But what I'm saying is, you've got to constantly come back to God and say, God, does this fit? Am I on track with what you call me to do? Because see, again, so much of the good things can push out the great things. So many of the the, the dreams can push away vision. And we begin to lose it, and the church can fall prey to that too. Absolutely. I've seen it in individuals. I've seen it in my own life too. To where you can get down the road six months, a year, maybe a few years, and you begin to kind of say, man, I kind of feel lost and kind of without purpose. Well, well, let's talk about that. Where did you get off the exit? Where did you go and stop doing what God has called you to do? Well, that would have been right there when I made the decision to do this or to do that or, and, or I added this to my life. See, those are those critical moments, which is why you got to write it down. So you can come back to it and say, hmm. And sometimes people will try to offload their vision and get it to you. Well, do I know all about that? Pastor David, I think the church ought to be this. Love you, but that's not what God has called me to do. And I know that may seem offensive, but you know it's almost like you walking into my 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 uh, locker room and saying, Pastor David, I really believe that if we do we pull out for this football team, if we do a couple of basketball moves, we might get better. Really? Don't think so. Distracting, off target, helping to refine 
We need to get better at being salt and light because that's what we're called to be. No other elements, <laughs> no other things that get us off track of reaching people for Christ, impacting our community for him, keeping him the foundation, because then we are building on a foundation that will last. Absolutely. Be realistic. Goals are determined by the vision. Bring them back to God. Share with others. Fantasies always seem to find its way back into our minds, but realistic goals always fit the vision. No incongruence, no distractions, when it starts to creep back and become more about us, that's when you need to begin to realize, oops, getting off target here. Self-aggrandizement, a lot of other focuses that get us away from the vision of being salt and light to make him the reason, to make him the reason why the church needs to grow, to make him the reason why we should love our city, to make him the reason why we do anything. That is our foundation. And that will stand the test of time without question. When it comes to vision, it's always going to venture into the impossible. It will. <laughs> and, you know, of course, you know, I'm talking about the, our, our building and what we're wanting to do, but gosh, folks, I've, I've experienced this so many times. And I've heard the story of others as they've experienced the impossible. Look, if you're going to get into the vision business in your life, you're definitely, at some point, you're going to get to that place where it's going to be like, I can't do this. I don't have the resources. I don't have the energy. I don't, have, I don't know how this is going to happen. And God says, good, because you're going to need me in the end, aren't you? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I am going to need you. And that's where it really begins. The rocket of faith begins to take off because then I've got to trust him. But again, it goes back, forth. God says, strike the ground. I say, how many times? He said, just keep striking, son. I'll tell you when to stop. I'll tell you when to stop. So it definitely is in the realm of the impossible. You know, I, mm. I think some of you still looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'll have to keep you another 20 minutes if I have to answer that question. <laughs> I need you to work with me here a little bit. What do I mean by the impossible? To make your marriage work. To make you a happier person. To break the chains of drug abuse, alcoholism. How about depression? How about having a hope for your, your, your children, your adult children? How about not having to be tormented about what you're going to do in your old age when that happens? How about considering the next, your, your spouse? How about considering anything about your life? That you go to God and he says, well, this is what I have for you. And you think, I, I don't see that happening. Well, God's going to draw you in. He says, it's going to take faith, isn't it? Yes, sir. But folks, when we grow in faith, the beauty of this thing is the more you grow in it, the more you use it. And it works in everything. It's, it's, it's a natural law that we see in everything in life. You build those muscles, they become muscles you can use. You build the faith muscle, it becomes a muscle you can use in every area of your life. Nothing is wasted. Nothing. So I want to finish with this. One of my favorite movies it's such an inspiration, and I know it's probably one of the most played movies in locker rooms you know, around the world, is based upon the 1980 Olympic hockey team, American hockey team. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Miracle, but you need to watch it, even if you don't like hockey. I understand. Be honest, I don't really like hockey, but that's the way it is. Don't judge me. All right. 
So, but anyway, the American hockey team up to this point, Olympics, had been losing just terrible. Americans weren't even considered as being medal contender, contenders for 20, 30 years. And so they call in Herb Brooks, who had been a, a professional hockey coach, to take this next team to the Olympics in 1980. And they're going to be coming up against a Russian team. Well, actually, it was USSR. So they had a much bigger pool to draw from. Of professional athletes. They didn't really play by the rules of the rules that we played by. The, this was a team that had played for a dozen years together and never lost a game. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? That were such a machine, that were so professional in what they did, they really couldn't even get any better. And here, Herb was going to take a bunch of 22, 23 year olds and take them to the Olympics in 1980. So he walks in, and this is the most poignant part of the whole movie. I love the ending. If you've seen the ending, it was pretty awesome. But the most poignant part of the movie for me was this. Please listen. He walks into the room with the Olympic committee. He's just getting started, and he walks in, and he sits down, and, and, and they just said, well, Herb, <clears throat> what's your vision here? He looks at him, he kind of stares at him. He goes, well, to win the gold medal, of course. And they chuckle to themselves. And they say, well, it's kind of a big vision, don't you think? And he goes, yeah. I mean, that's why I want to pursue it. And it was just a pregnant pride. And all the other guys were in there were a little embarrassed because they were looking at a man who had a vision. A man who knew he could see what was going to happen. And there was other reasons for this because he had been a part of it back in the 60s. He'd been a part of the last gold medal winning team. Well, actually, he didn't go. He actually dropped out before he could actually go and got cut. But he had a vision for it. And when he walked in, he's like, why are we even thinking of just, their, their goal was, let's just get in the medal round. Let's just survive. And I got to thinking to myself, isn't that the way most, most of us live? We live to only what we expect we can do, that what we can just get away with. Maybe because of my family. Maybe because of what my experiences have been. Maybe because of my education. Maybe because of my finances. Whatever. We just got limitations. And that's where we live is in the limitation. But when we're presented with the opportunity to go for the gold, that's when only God can do it. They call it a miracle because that's exactly what it was. Those young rascals went on to beat the greatest hockey team pretty much of all time. It was, without question, a miracle. But it started with a group of men who were taught to think that way. To think that way. Folks, that's what I want to do for you. is to deposit in your heart today to go beyond what you can see. To go beyond what you've experienced. What have been spoken over you. What people have said you could or could not do. Or even you, the limitations you've placed upon yourself. If you're going to live in this realm of the kingdom. If you're going to call yourself a Christian. Then for crying out loud. Live on the edge for him. Go for it. Strike the ground. As many times as you've got with breath in your lungs. Elisha, what a tremendous example, right? He's getting ready to die. Hold it. One last miracle, buddy. One last impact in this world. That should be us every single day. So folks, look, we're going to take communion together.
Thanks for joining our live stream today. Make sure to like our Facebook page. And if you want more information about us, make sure to visit us at our website, valleychurch.us, or go and download our Valley Church app called Valley Church Weldon. If you feel led to give today, you can give on our website and on our app.